Well, hi, everyone. It is, uh, it is a good day, and I'm excited about many, many things. Um, you know, Leslie mentioned our 24 hours of prayer and fasting. It was a great, great week, and, um, and I'm just excited about what God is up to these days. And, uh, you know, we're continuing the series on Jesus, uh, because obviously we should. It's December, right? Because he is the reason for the season. Thank you. <laughs> and... Uh, <clears throat> Anyway, we just believe that Jesus, you know, when we look into his stories of Jesus, when we look into the teachings of Jesus, we believe he changes everything about everything, and, and it begins um, even before the birth of Jesus. If you're looking through scriptures, they talk about him, and, and, this, and this story of Jesus is just, uh, uh, it's, it's transcendent. It's, 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 be, it's beyond our, our understanding, but it is also fully within our grasp to fully receive and understand. It's, it's quite quite the miracle. So today, today the message is titled, Wait on Jesus, which is everybody's favorite thing to do, right? To wait, right? We love waiting. Waiting is fun. I don't know about you, but when I, when I see a long line, I go try and get in it. I just want to wait, and then I look at people and say, I'm just, I'm just waiting on Jesus. And no, who in here is honest? Waiting is annoying. You get impatient. You see a long line. You get in a long stoplight, you start to get irritated. Raise your hand if this is you. Okay, so there's some honest people in here. There's definitely some liars in here because not everybody raised their hand. I don't know many people that love to wait, but maybe, maybe I just haven't met you yet or something. But last night, even my family had to wait. We, were, we waited longer than normal at the restaurant for our food, and we were a little bit in a hurry. Ever been in this we are like, we need the food to come because we got to get some. And so everybody's getting a little stressed. And Grayson's like, where's my food? And I mean, he literally was yelling this. And we were like, dude, it's all good, man. Like, I mean, he's, he's sick, and so he's been on steroids. I don't know. And so <clears throat> anyway, raging. <laughs> anyway, waiting. Waiting is never fun, right? You go to the doctor's office, and they have a whole room dedicated to it. It's called the waiting room. And there's only one person you never see in the waiting room, the doctor. The doctor's never in there because people who are more important, we wait on them, right? And so, anyway, waiting is just part of life. And if you've ever, well, we're in a place right here. If you've ever listened to a sermon and when you're like, is this going on and on and on? And you're just like, when is this going to end? I mean, most of you haven't had that encounter. But today I have some really effective object lessons on waiting. (laughs) That we're going to do. And so, anyway, waiting is just one of those things. One of the reasons we don't like waiting is because waiting reminds us that we are not in control, are we? And whenever we have to wait on something, we realize we can't fix it, we can't do it, we can't make it happen, whatever. You know, my family went on, uh, my family went on a vacation earlier this year. We went to Disney World, which was one of those, like, dream, like, things we were working on for years to take our kids back and, and to do this. And one of the things you do at Disney and probably any theme park is you're paying attention to something. You're paying attention to these signs that are everywhere that tell you how long your wait time is. You know what I'm talking about? I have a picture of one of these things. And so in this case, I didn't take this picture, but I just looked it up. And in this case... Um, you know, you are looking around and saying, how long is going to wait? And this one is like 300 minutes to see Cinderella, which if you can't do math, that's five hours. And I know most of us are like, that's totally worth it. Park is open 10 hours. I'm sitting on this line for five hours. Totally. Yes, let's do this. And so there's this, but I did see, I didn't see 300 minutes, but I saw many that were over two hour waits, you know, and I'm thinking, and if you've never been to Disney, I'm just telling you, it's so worth paying so much money to wait in lines. It just makes so much sense to me. But, but anyway, we... 
we have these things that, don't you wish life was a little bit like this, that there'd be like these signs posted and they'd say, six months till you find your spouse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Two years till you get the job you've been waiting on. And don't you wish that there was like this clear clarity from God to say, yeah, yeah, you are going to wait and I'm going to tell you exactly how long you need to wait until you get that thing you've been wanting. But we all know that's not the way it works. Many times we feel like we're waiting on in life for things way longer than we expect. We're waiting on things from, and a lot of times we put it in the category of, of God. And we're like, God, when is this going to happen? When are you going to give me the answer? When are you going to give me the, the, the thing that I, that I really need? When are you going to fix the problem? When are you going to show up? And when you have to wait like that, we, we do go to God with these huge questions. There's a, there's a passage in Psalm 13 and it says this, you can put it up there. It says, and see if this represents the heart that sometimes you felt in life. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? There are times in life when this is the prayer, isn't it? In which we are like, we are saying, how long, Lord? And everything from how long to, to I get the answer to how long will I continue to be in this problem to how long, as he says, the enemy, how long will it seem to just have its way? And we just ask this question over and over again. And in the Bible, you see this repeatedly in different stories. And God never says, oh, another three days, and then we'll give it to you a week from Wednesday, and it's going to break through. God generally doesn't really tell us when. We just find ourselves continually waiting on something. And every once in a while, there's breakthrough. I don't know if you found yourself here, but waiting usually generally drives us a bit crazy. Anybody with me? Allow me to make a fairly obvious statement about our Christian faith. Um, Jesus is the centerpiece of our Christian theology. Uh, the basic premise of what that means is we believe that Jesus is who he said he was. That's the basic construct of our theology if we claim Jesus, is that he is who he said he was. And so everything that we read about in the New Testament, everything that disciples did was predicated on that simple thought, that Jesus is who he said he was. Right? And who did Jesus say was? Jesus said, just so you know, that he was the Messiah that they had been waiting on. That they had been waiting on. Now, quick review of Jewish history, biblical history. A lot of you know this, but just make sure. For centuries, um, centuries before Jesus, prophets had, had, had prophesied that there would be a coming Messiah. And so the people of God, the Israelites, the Hebrews, they had they had got in their mind this promise that God would send them a Messiah, and he would unite all of God's people because God's people had been divided. They had been ravaged by enemies. They had been, they had been divided in so many different ways, and God was going to pull them back together and establish peace on earth. And so this is what the people of God believed to be true, and this goes on through the centuries. So imagine being an Israelite, right? And you were at a large family gathering, and everybody gets around the campfire, 
you guys are about to play like maybe a mean game of Dirty Moses, which is kind of like Dirty Santa, but it's Dirty Moses. <laughs> Things were different back then. Um, <clears throat> and you're about to play this game with your family and the grandpa, he's like starts going into storytelling mode and he's telling about all the stories of the greats. He's like, oh, you don't understand. Like, let me tell you about Joshua. Let me tell you about David. Let me tell you about Abraham. And he's telling these stories. And then he says, and, and family, I want you to know this, that someday, someday God's going to send us a Messiah, and that Messiah, he's gonna be a king, a king of all kings. He's gonna actually save us from everything that we need to be saved from, from these Romans, from these enemies that we have. He's gonna triumph over them. He's gonna set up and unite all of God's people. It's gonna be amazing. He's gonna save us from this. The Messiah is coming. Everybody goes, ah, oh, yes, the Messiah. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited, and they waited on this promise. So you can imagine what that story told around the campfire when Jesus shows up and he announces this, he announces something about himself, the commotion this kicked up, right? Mark 1:15. It says, The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, 30 weeks ago, when we started this series on Jesus, um, this was the very first verse we read. Because this is the announcement of the kingdom of God. This is the announcement of Jesus' inaugural statement that, hey, the kingdom is here, and I'm actually the king. He goes on and he explains this, right? And so this is the beginning of it. But before Jesus had grown up into adulthood to be able to announce this kingdom, this promise started to become true. And so we're, gonna, we're actually going to kind of backtrack in Jesus' life from this moment when he announces this, and we're going to go to Luke chapter 2 and the circumstances surrounding the birth of Jesus. Because this time of year, that's what we're thinking about, right? We're, taking, we're thinking about the birth of Jesus. Mary and Joseph take him to a temple because that's what they were supposed to do. Um, Luke chapter 2, verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses. Doesn't that sound fun? Anyway, the law of Moses is the Torah. There's a bunch of rules that they had to follow. Well, Joseph and Mary, they wanted to follow those rules, so they took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. In case you're wondering about the timeline, there's pretty good evidence that Jesus stayed, hang out in Bethlehem for a little while before he fled to Egypt, and it was probably during that time that he goes to the temple of Jerusalem. So King Herod had not yet went to kill all the, 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 the babies in, in Bethlehem. At least that's the thought. So, took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male, Jesus is the firstborn male, is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with that what is said in the law of the Lord. So they are just being very particular. They're wanting to follow the law of the Lord, the Torah. And so they're going to go and they're going to sacrifice a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was, a right, who was righteous and devout, and he was, say it with me, waiting. waiting. What is he waiting on? He is waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Oh, so this is what he's waiting on, right? He's waiting on the campfire story of the Messiah that everybody's waiting on. That's what he's waiting on. In verse 27, he says he's moved by the Spirit, which I love this because 
evidence before Jesus sends the Spirit, the Spirit is moving among his people, and he's actually moving them to do specific things. In this particular case, he is moved by the Spirit to go to the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do to him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes, this is beautiful right here, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and to the glory of the people of Israel. So this, this is even a declaration here that Jesus and his ministry would not just be for the people of Israel, but would be for all people, all Gentiles. This is huge. Verse 33, the, ch the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that my, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul too. So this is the man Simeon, right? And what he had seen. Verse 36, though, they're not done at the temple. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then she was a widow until she was 84. So she was probably a widowed at a young age. And so she's been um, widowed for a long, long time. She had never left the temple, but say it with me, but worshipped night and day. And say it with me. And she and prayed. Yeah. Worship, fasting, praying. Sounds familiar. Coming up to them, meaning to Mary and Joseph, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So another, another way to say this is she spoke to all, about all at the temple, about the child, about who they were waiting on, and about that he would be bringing redemption to their city. So Simeon and Anna, two, 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 two characters, a man and a woman, which I don't think is coincidence. But let's notice something. They aren't just waiting around like in a doctor's office flipping through a highlights magazine, are they? <laughs> this isn't a passive waiting. They aren't simply passing time and getting through life. It says that Simeon was righteous and devout, it says that Anna was worship, worshiping, praying, and fasting. They were waiting by seeking and by devotion and by believing and in their faith. They were actively waiting. When we wait, we are reminded in all circumstances in life that we are not in control. We might be waiting on the government to do something, or we may be waiting in line at a store, or we may be waiting at a stoplight, and every one of those things are there to govern us, aren't they? To lead us, to guide us. And we understand we're not in control, that there's other forces at work. But at a larger scale, when we wait, when we wait on something that's bigger than all that, on the thing that changes everything about everything, well, this is what, this is what Simeon and Anna were doing. They were waiting on something big, something huge, something that their people had been waiting on for centuries. The, the, the weight of this was significant. And they believed 
that, they would, that this would actually happen, that God would actually do what he said he would do. Can you imagine living that way? Where you'd actually believe that God would do what he said he would do. And I know a lot of us say, well, I do live that way, and I, and I know we do. But I love when we get stories to kind of back it up. When we say, well, yes, of course, I'm waiting, right? But as soon as we're neck deep, right, and having to wait, we start complaining, don't we? God, when is this going to happen? We start questioning God. You know how many times I've heard people say, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, and nothing happened. Therefore, I don't know if prayer works. And they start questioning God because God didn't do what he, they thought he should do in the time that he should do it. And who knows? Who knows what God's purposes are, but also who knows who's got, what God's timing is. So we can't handle this lack of control and power in our life. And therefore, most of us hate waiting as a result because we need the control. We need the power. Anna and Simeon did what they did day after day, month after month, year after year. And most of us, we can't wait five days for shipping so we get Amazon Prime. <laughs> I have it too. It's all good. We are just people who can't wait. And I love this picture of Anna fasting and praying and sleeping on the temple floor. Not for something about her, but for something that served, served her people that was about the redemption of her city. You know, some things, and I've been saying this can only happen by prayer and fasting, some things can only happen by patiently and actively waiting on God to bring the breakthrough, to bring, to bring the answer, to bring the miracle, to save the lost. She fasted and she prayed and she waited on God and for her king to show up, and he actually did. He actually showed up. And I just, I, 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 I don't know why, but Anna's just struck me in this story. And I'm just like, Lord, could we have a heart like that? Could we have a heart like that, that we would, we would wait, we would fast, we would pray, we would worship actively for the purpose of seeing our city redeemed? What a beautiful picture. And you thought, oh, I thought we were done talking about praying and fasting. Didn't we do that last week? I guess we're supposed to keep doing it. I don't know. <clears throat> I, gotta, I wanna add one more thing. You know, understand that the Israelites were, they were waiting on Jesus to arrive the first time. And, and today we're very much like the Israelites. We're very much like Anne and Simeon. We actually are still waiting for Jesus to return. And we're waiting for Jesus to come. I mean, there's, uh, there, Jesus, remember the, the, cent- the central piece of our Christian theology is that Jesus is the centerpiece of our Christian theology. And if Jesus is who he said he was, what Jesus said that he was coming again. And when he said, he, when, he, when he does, that there'd be no more tears, there'd be no more pain, there'd be no more sin, there'd be no more hatred, there'd be no more racism, there'd be no more violence. There'd be, he says, it'll be total kingdom, total redemption. And we're waiting on that. Actively, though, waiting in prayer and worship and fasting, actively waiting to, in faith to believe he is who he said he was. You know, I said this a few months ago, and if you've been praying and you are growing weary for the things that God has not done yet, just remember that God is not done yet. That sometimes we have to wait and we have to fast and we have to pray and we have to wait actively. You know, um, in our church right now, we are 
I would say we're in the season. Are you with me on that? We're in the season of just waiting and praying and, and trusting the Lord and, and saying, Lord, you know, what is it that you have for us? And, do, and, and we're almost believing, like, God's, God's going to do more, and we don't know what that more looks like, but it's something, and so we're just ready for it, Lord. And, and what, here's what I'd say. We're saying that as a church family, and we're saying that, like, we want to see the Spirit poured out in a way that's really significant and meaningful and powerful and that people are going are gonna, to, I mean, we're believing in an evangelistic outpouring of salvations, right? Like, we're waiting on that. We, we can't make that happen. Only God can do that. But I know in some of our lives, we're also waiting on other things that are very personal and very real to us. Communally, we have this hope and this expectation. Individually, we have this hope and expectation. And then individually, we also have these other things. It's not just about, you know, the big picture of Jesus. Sometimes I just want you to know that Jesus knows that you're waiting on that thing in your life. That pain you're dealing with that suffering you're going through, and you're just saying, how long, Lord, will I have to wait? How long will you turn your face from me? God knows where you're at. God sees you. He loves you. He has you. He, he has that thing. And you never know. Here's what's so amazing about waiting. You never know when the moment of breakthrough is about to happen. You never know when everything's going to turn on the dime. I don't know. I don't know when all of a sudden revival breaks out, right, in our church or in our city. I don't know. But I also don't know whenever that situation you're walking through, when God breaks through and he, he comes, when he, in this story, right, when the Messiah is brought into the temple, and Anna and Simeon are like, today is the day. It happened. But they never quit waiting actively. You know, this week, we, it was really encouraging, by the way, this week to see over 100 different people praying and fasting with us on Thursday and Friday. And if you weren't able to join us, I understand life is crazy and busy. And, but I do want you to know, no matter if you were part of it or not, that God is, God is moving and he's doing some things. And, Friday, we had the opportunity just a couple nights ago to share, to let, have a few people share some stories, and we got to hear stories about people's, about salvations, about healings. Uh, it's crazy, you know? I mean, honestly, that's, that's still new to us. Like, oh, wow, like, people, someone got healed? That's amazing. People being restored, and as we actively wait, God is doing, here's what I love, as we are waiting for something that we feel like is in the future, there's all sorts of stuff happening in the present. Are you, are you with me on that? So as you wait in your suffering, in your situation, in your need for I need a job or I need a spouse or I need a friend or I need whatever it is that you're waiting on, that you're like, when is this going to happen, Lord? When are you going to do what I need to be done? Because I'm tired of sitting here in this place of, of just, of, of just, suspense, right? As you wait, God is moving. God is doing things. And that's, that's, what's, that's what's amazing me right now is that we are sitting here in a season of waiting and there's all sorts of miraculous, amazing things occurring right within us at this time. Just this past week, I had people share with me things that they felt like the Lord had given them they had seen for the future of our church. Just this past week, 
I had people telling me a testimony of, of, God, of God healing them, them physically in some way. You know, in a world, in a world of instant gratification, we, we live in a world of instant gratification, would you agree? In a world of instant gratification, waiting on God reminds us that we are not in control, that we need him. You know, so we're in a season of Advent, and if you don't know much about Advent, Advent is the four weeks that lead up to Christmas. And uh, it's a season of preparation and waiting on Jesus. It's sort of the foundation of it. The Latin, it's a, it's a Latin word. The root of that is, a, is actually adventure. So that's kind of fun, like waiting on Jesus is an adventure. <laughs> but if, if you take the Greek part of it, it it's actually a little, bit, a little bit deeper than just adventure. And it's, it's actually waiting for the second coming of Christ. That's what it means. And, and so we are actually, like I said, not just in a season of, of remembering what he did and that he came. So we've made Jesus like this picture of this like nativity scene, right? And, and although that moment is significant, Advent is also understanding that Jesus isn't done yet. Advent is also understanding that there's more to the story to come. And I think for a lot of us in here today, we have to remember that not only in the in the understanding of who Jesus is in our life and, and, and what we understand about his word and who he is and what he's going to do with the future of our world. But I think we have to understand it from the this, this sense of we have received salvation, right? That's almost our nativity, right? Where we came to Christ as a baby. And now we are in waiting for him to continue to bring more of himself, more of his breakthrough and to see God continue to work. And we are continually trusting as we worship and we pray and we fast for more of Christ in our life. And as we wait, he does more and more and more. And here's the thing. If it's a specific thing you have today, I want, I want to just put a question because I believe that there are some in this room that are walking through something right now and you need this question to help you process what is something you are waiting on? What is something you are waiting on? And I actually want you to think of it right now. For some of you, it's going to be really heavy, really big. For some of you, it's going to be, oh, I didn't even realize I was waiting on that, but I am. I've been waiting on that. Go ahead and identify. Is it an opportunity? Is it a relationship? Is it a, is it a spouse? Is it a job? Is it an answer? Is it a breakthrough? Is it a miracle? Is it... God's presence? Is it the salvation of someone you know? Is it provision? Maybe you have a financial need. What is it that you're waiting on? Nod your head if you have something you're waiting on right now. May, may the story of Jesus speak to your heart right now. wasn't in this world but just days and that part of the story even even as Anna encounters him she's been waiting and praying and fasting and sleeping on the temple floor right we can actively wait friends and I want to encourage you to do it and I want you to not just wait on whatever it is that you're you have identified but Join us as a church body in waiting on the Lord for what he wants to do here. 
be a bystander, be an active waiter with us. I want you to bow your heads with me. We're going to pray and we're actually going to spend time worshiping today. And Take a moment as if you, if you had something come to mind, a lot of you nodded your head, something you were waiting on. I want you to just say a prayer. Maybe you don't pray a lot. Maybe you do pray a lot. Maybe you've prayed about this till you feel like you can't pray anymore. But I want you to just say a prayer, and it's a short prayer. I want you to say, Lord, and just say this right now in your heart. I'm going to lead you through the prayer. Lord, I'm waiting on you. Say, Lord, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you patiently. And once again, I want to give you Say what it is that you have once. I want to give you and say that thing. And I want to trust you with it. I will actively wait. I want you to be encouraged this morning that your prayers, your fasting, your worship, they are heard, they are seen. God will be faithful. You can trust him. And even as Allison shared with us earlier this morning, it may not always look like we think it's going to look, and it may not always be like we think it's going to be. But he sees you, he hears you, and God is faithful. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We pray as we spend time worshiping now, responding to you, that this would be a, a time of freedom, a time of absolute just surrendered hope to the things that we wait on. But, but also, Lord, just a, a, an acknowledgement and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, an opportunity to give you praise in this season of our life. You are so good to us. And we will do all we can to continue to wait on you, Jesus pray these things in your name. Amen.